0: Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. In this episode, we will begin with a topic entitled, Successful Marriage. Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message. You're encouraged to share your thoughts on this subject on our website at livelaughtalk.com And you can also email us there, admin at livelaughtalk.com. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo as well as comments and participate in our poll. And we see that you're doing that. We appreciate your comments. They're very helpful and it's enjoyable to see how many people really have touching feelings about our subjects. Wherever you listen to the podcast, please follow us so that you can remain notified of new episodes when they're released. In addition, please rate us the highest grade that you can on your platform as this helps us to stay successful as well and the platforms notify us of how well we're doing on their particular mode. The beginning topic for us today is successful marriage. Let's tune in. Fortunately for me, I grew up with people who had been in long-standing marriages. My parents were married for 54 years and would still be together today, except for the unfortunate loss of her in death. But many today are maintaining their marriages. My parents are not alone. There are many people who have been together 30, 40 50 years. Matter of fact, the average length of a marriage in the United States is 19 years. So we see marriages lasting longer. But we also see another trend. We see individuals avoiding marriage at all. We're at the stage now where very few people are getting married. We have over 140 million women in the United States. Now, only 2 million of those were married within the last year. So that's like 14.9%. As a matter of fact, you may begin to wonder how do certain companies who make their fortune on wedding rings stay in business nowadays? Well, The reason for that may vary between individuals, but what we do know that constitutes the ability to have a successful marriage is the fact that many individuals continue to communicate through their marriage. They continue to value and prioritize their spouse. They have emotional intimacy. And they don't have unrealistic expectations. Now that leads to a long-lasting marriage, yet it's still not easy. You're taking two people from two different cultures, putting them together, and hoping for success. There's a lot of marriages that do fail, but there are a lot of marriages that succeed. So what we're going to do is not talk about what may make a marriage fail, We're gonna talk about what could make one succeed. One factor that is considered the very key to a successful marriage is communication. Yes, poor communication can lead to misunderstandings, unresolved conflicts, and emotional distance between partners. But if one continues to communicate And that marriage is built on a foundation of communication. It's just the opposite. The individuals understand one another. They're constantly informed of what's going on. Whether the person feels like they're beginning to change or they're having new ideas, all of these things are spoken about and expounded upon so that the marriage can continue to grow. Where there's no communication, there's absolutely no growth at all. Also, we talked earlier about expectations. We want to have realistic expectations in marriage. No, there's no such thing as a, a Disney marriage or a, some type of cartoonish marriage in which ones live happily ever after. And even if they did, how do they do this? Well, because the world around them is not happily ever after. Well, if one begins to expect more out of an individual than they can possibly give, it's going to give that marriage disappointment and dissatisfaction. So we want to be realistic that we married a human being with failings and shortcomings And we got to go into that marriage expecting this. As my dad used to say, you've got to not only love the great things about a person, but you've also got to love the things that you don't like as much. Another issue that could cause some conflict in a marriage is financial problems. And we know we live in a world where our country is filled with financial stress. So we don't want to have disagreements about money. We want to manage it together. Make sure that we don't create any tensions by stepping outside of our budgets or maybe making decisions without talking to the other party. We want to do things together. That gains success. In addition to that, there is absolutely no chance of a successful marriage if we allow others into that marriage. We have to keep individuals that want to be with us at bay. They've got to stay far, far away from us because cheating or affairs or even not even getting into an affair, but having an emotional connection to another person outside of our marriage can severely damage trust. It can damage the emotional bonds within a marriage. We don't want that at all. Can't lead to success whatsoever. Now, a lot of individuals have found that in their marriage, they have to keep intimacy. Intimacy leads to a healthy marriage. And the lack of such can lead to feelings of loneliness, disconnect. It could even lower our spouse's self-esteem. And we don't want that at all. And when that self-esteem gets damaged, and then as we just talked about prior, by individuals that's going to look at our mate, and want our mate, it becomes easier for our mate to let their guard down. Let's not allow that at all. That cannot lead to success. So we've got to be there in an intimate setting. And intimacy will be defined in each marriage. It may be sexual. It may be non-sexual. It may be in ways of touching each other, talking to each other, being together. Whatever works in your marriage that is intimate and your mate has communicated that to you, here we go back to the word communication, then you want to do just that, so your mate feels fulfilled. Now, as time goes on, individuals evolve and grow. Some people get married at a very early age and they continue to grow and they may even grow apart. But it's not just those that get married at an early age. There are some that get married later in life. But See, evolving and growing doesn't have an age limit. Because what happens is your priorities and your goals might change. And this leads to conflicts if partners don't align, and here we go again, communicate about such changes. See, that line of communication has got to stay open. And we've got to be able to tell our partner what things that has changed how we feel different on certain subjects. And we'll find that if we're open and we communicate that maybe our mate feels the same. they can join with us. But if there's no communication and one side's moving and the other side's not, we'll find those lines going in opposite directions. And that is the key to many divorces today. When you marry an individual We just have to be honest with each other. We have to realize we really don't marry an individual. You marry a family. Go into it with that realization. Don't go into it thinking, well, I don't have to live with these in-laws. I don't have to deal with them at all. I don't have to have anything. No, see, that's not true. And what happens if... We take on that mindset, there's gonna be conflicts with our extended family members. And that could add a strain to our marriage because, in most cases, the two mates came from families that they love. And so, if we're hating on individuals that they love, how can that lead to any type of success? We've gotta keep our minds on the fact that we married. A family, not one person, but a group of people. And we have to work to make that a continuous, beautiful relationship as well. It's possible. It's not like a TV sitcom where on TV, everybody hates their in-laws. It doesn't have to be that way at all. You can actually love an in-law enough that that becomes your family as well. We got to keep substances Substance abuse outside the marriage. That will cause disruptions and hinder effective communication and problem solving. If one of us is hiding and taking some type of drug, drugs, alcohol, what have you, addictions are not healthy. It's not healthy for us as an individual, thus, there's no way it can be healthy for us as a couple. What about conflicts that go on unresolved? Well, we have to address these. Again, what do we need? Communication. Because if there's conflicts, things that you just left on the table, maybe one of you say, you know what? Let's just not talk about it. Let's just leave that alone. Well, problems left alone Don't go away. They just manifest themselves. They get bigger. Emotional distance happens over time. Because, see, our mate's not going to talk to us. We said, hey, let's just leave it alone. They're going to talk to somebody. And again, that somebody might be someone who wants our mate too. And then it becomes comfortable for them to to start building this emotional relationship outside of the marriage. That leads to divorce. So again, we have to resolve those conflicts. We may have to agree to disagree. None of us are right all the time. So let's not even try to make that a habit. Let's go ahead and resolve the fact that, hey, maybe this person is right. Or even if we feel they're not right, we have to mend it together. Because that's the only way that two people can succeed in their marriage. Lastly, all of us get busy. All of us have work, other issues that come about that take our time. We have to be balanced because a lack of quality time together can weaken the bond as well between partners. No matter how busy we are, we have to make time Now, it's important for us to, to just be honest and note that successful marriages are going to require ongoing effort. You're not going to get at any year in your marriage and you're just on cruise control. Because I was just reading an article just yesterday about what's called gray divorcing what they're talking about there is individuals divorcing at the age of 65 and older. Some of these individuals have been married 30, 40, 50 years, and now they're getting a divorce. They literally say, well, yes, I'm getting older, but I don't want to live another day with somebody that I can't communicate with, or I have this issue or that one, some of the ones we just discussed. So there's no cruise control. We don't be married a certain number of years and all of a sudden we can just rest. it's just coasting along because what'll happen is it'll coast okay, but then it'll derail. We've got to make sure that that marriage stays a priority, that there's constant understanding and open communication. All of these things will help us to overcome the challenges, And build a strong partnership. So if there is a significant one in your life and you want to have this bond of marriage, don't be afraid. There are many successful ones out there. Go ahead and seek the proper counseling if the two of you wish to put your lives together. In addition, talk to ones who have been married for years, maybe even decades, so that they can give you not just advice that just sugarcoats it, but they can tell you the ups and downs. They can also tell you the things to avoid. And this, too, can lead to a successful marriage. So although we are seeing the marriage rate go down, we're at 14.9, we're seeing marriages not be where they once were. We don't have to think about that. If marriage is what we want, let's do the things that we outline today, work with that mate, talk to that mate, communicate so that we can have a successful marriage that continues beyond the realms of what we could have ever thought would bring us lifelong happiness. In one year alone, 320,000 incidents of rape and sexual assault happened in the United States. And often these incidents are underreported for both men and women. So the number could actually be higher. Of that, many were incapacitated. And in terms of a drug-facilitated sexual assault, and that's what we're talking about, Alcohol is the number one substance for assailants, next to prescription drugs with tranquilizing effects, and better known as a Roofie, Ketamine, GHB, and Ecstasy. According to the Office on Women's Health, these drugs, as called date rape drugs, are used because they're not easily detected. And often the victims don't even remember being drugged or assaulted until many hours later. Well, there was a study done about this because many have believed that this is a myth, but it's not. I remember as an educator talking to at least three students who told me that this happened to them. And the effects of what happened later on in their lives as a result. Now, if you begin to suspect that there is some type of of alcohol in your non-alcoholic drink. Or there's other types of date rape drugs used, even if it's an alcohol drink. You need to make sure that you put that drink away. Matter of fact, it said that to protect yourself, you definitely need to not step away from a drink, not even to go to the bathroom, because that person sitting across from you may make you a victim. Now, 44% of men in this study and 56% of women said they've unknowingly had their drinks spiked. And of respondents with spiked drinks, 37% had their drinks spiked multiple times. It wasn't just one time that this happened to them. Many of these people were in high school or enrolled in college, but that doesn't mean that there's not millions of people out there that this has happened to. They're a lot older than those of teenage years. And what are the effects of Of mixing drugs and alcohol, well, of course, if you put alcohol into someone's non-alcoholic drink, it will decrease coordination, give clouded judgment. and also it could cause an unconsciousness, and that's when the raping begins. But even if that drink is non-alcoholic or an alcohol drink, People have been roofied, and that causes extreme drowsiness, loss of consciousness, as well as a delayed heart rate and breathing, all of which truly can be fatal. Catering will cause one to have their physical abilities slowed. They'll hallucinate, get unconscious, have slow breathing as well. LSD will give adverse effects, like a depressant. It'll lead people to extreme depression or suicide. GHB does the same thing. It's a depressant. Breathing becomes more difficult. And then there's nausea. You see, all of these type things is what individuals will use in order to be able to take control of someone physically. So sad, isn't it? You can't even go out for a decent meal or a drink with an individual. sadly, more than a hundred percent, more likely than women are men to have their drinks or food spiked by a friend. Yes, they are two times as likely for this to happen. Some people thinking that it's just fun. Women, on the other hand, have had their spikes, their drinks spiked by ones who are strangers, more than likely. Imagine the fact that whether you're with your friend or you're with a stranger, that these events can happen. And there's no such thing as a a safe space. Everybody thinks when you talk about drinks being spiked, that kind of thing, that it's at a bar, but that's not necessarily the case. Some of these things have happened at house parties, on a date, even at a musical concert. One individual found herself at a music festival and was recording and actually caught a man in the background of her attempting to spike her beverage. So it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's a club or a bar. It could be any type of situation. And we have to be careful. Because, see, the effects of these drugs is, yes, We want to start off and say, yes, the sexual things that happen is awful. But as we mentioned earlier, some of the side effects could lead to death. People have lost balance. People have had euphoria or aggression from ingesting spiked substances. So we have to make sure that we're careful. We want to make sure that our mind is not on just the fact that sexual things can happen, but we could actually lose our lives. And the fact that we can't taste these additives, they're hard to detect, means that we got to make sure that we are cautious. Again, we don't want to do anything like turn our back like the lady at the music festival. We don't want to walk away from our drink and maybe go to the bathroom or have a word with the chef or something like that in the restaurant because any of these types of things give folks with this type of evil in their hearts an opportunity to hurt us. When this academic research was done, they had to preface it that drink spiking is more than a myth. See, and having to say that is evidence within itself that there's a stigma that exists around this particular crime. And that could be the reason. That could be the reason why 58% of men and 65% of women were not confident that the spiking assailants would be held accountable by law in the first place. Only 20% of men surveyed and 6% of women were confident that someone would be taken to task. In most cases, people just felt it wouldn't happen. See, this is not a minor issue facing Americans. It's also not an act that always involves street drugs being discreetly slipped into a victim's drink. Most often, alcohol is used to facilitate the crime of drug-assisted sexual assaults. And in that when we get to numbers that have spiked when we get to numbers that's almost at a half a million we had 320,000 people to be sexually assaulted and or raped and that's of the ones who reported it and of that is a great number of ones who were incapacitated through drugs or alcohol meant for the very purpose of taking advantage of these individuals. We have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Our special interest and hobby that was submitted to us today, by one of our fans, is about cross-country travel. Not by flying, but by other means. And I'm just going to start out to say that this sounds extremely exciting. Being able to see the country, to journey through, and actually do what we talk about, or, or what we've heard so many years is stopping and smelling the roses. Sounds like a wonderful, inspirational way to travel throughout our beautiful nation. Now, one of the ways that we can do this and do it effectively is by crossing the country by train. Yes, Amtrak, they don't offer a a network as extensive as that found in Europe, nor do we have super trains that we discussed in one of our first podcasts. But they give several ways to get across the country by train. Some of these include Trips through the Grand National Parks with Grand Canyon, Yosemite, and the Glacier National Park. Round tripping from Washington, D.C. There's a a Route 66 trip by rail that one could take. There's also a West Coast to East Coast rail experience. And let's just not leave out a coast-to-coast trip. Literally going from the East Coast and Washington, D.C., to San Francisco. Now these trips can range anywhere from nine days up to 17 days. So there's a lot to see in our beautiful country and this is an opportunity to do it and in a cost-effective way. And inside of these Amtraks, we want to recognize too that we're not just going to be sitting upright in just one car, no. You'll have the option of a cabin so you can sleep as you travel. And you can have these large windows so you can enjoy the views. What a beautiful way to see the country. Another way is by road trip. Some individuals will take their car or maybe an RV and drive across the country. Now, if you want to do this in a rush, yeah, you can knock it out in a few days. But what's the experience in that? To get the full experience, it's best to get off the highway and explore some of the more rural roads. It's said that the best road trip that you can take is where you can drive to Chicago and then follow Route 66 all the way to California. They say as well, to make sure if you do that, Stay in some of the mom and pop bed and breakfast places along the way and break regularly so that you can enjoy the area that you're traveling through. This will help you to have a more memorable experience. And with us having cell phones today, we can take pictures of these trips that will remain in our our thoughts and minds and in the uh, cloud for eternity. Now, there are two other ways that was submitted to us about cross-country travel that, hmm, I just can't imagine. But I'm not going to say that you can't imagine it. But I can't imagine cycling across the United States. One potential option is the Trans America Trail, which is over 4,000 miles, running from the town of Astoria in Oregon to Yorktown in Virginia. And if you did this by bike, it would commonly take around three months to complete. I don't quite have the patience, nor time, nor the physical acumen to pull that one off. But hey, we're talking about me here. That's not you. It may work out just perfectly for you. And as we saw in the movie Forrest Gump, you can also walk across America. What about that? Just get up one day, start walking with forest rain. And that's probably few people who would choose this option. It's a long way to walk. A lot of time. Because if we were to do this, and we took some of the options out there and some spectacular routes, crossing the Rockies, that type of thing, we'll see a lot of scenery. There'll be a lot of roadside attractions. There'll be historical landmarks. But this could take us from four months to a year to complete. I don't know if that's exactly what I would want to do. I'm going to say no. So if getting on a plane, then landing somewhere, and driving around where you land and then get back on a plane and go back home. is not quite what you have in mind as a trip or an inspirational uh, journey around America. We have so many options out there. We have four that we mentioned. We could do this by train. We could do it by car, RV, cycle, walk. Now, I wanna say that if you choose any of these options, Maybe we'll run into each other. Maybe I'll be on that Amtrak with you. And I would actually look forward to seeing you there. Our sunflower message is entitled, Don't Quit by Edgar A. Guest. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging Seems all up here when the funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but have to sigh. When care is pressing, you down just a bit. Rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won if he'd stuck it out. Don't give up, though. The pace seems slow. You might succeed with another blow. Often the struggler has given up when he might capture the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure, turned inside out. The silver tin of clouds of doubt and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. This is James and Georgia's Baby Boy signing up. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.